Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach, as well as a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And we also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. And for this episode, we're interviewing Nancy Duarte. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, it's so good to be here. We are absolutely thrilled you are here today. As we were chatting about, we are combining two of my all-time favorite topics in today's episode. But before I get carried away and jump into asking you a couple of questions, (laughs) we would love it if you would take a couple of moments and introduce yourself to all of our listeners. Yeah. So I'm Nancy Duarte, and we have been writing, producing, and helping the highest performing brands in the world to get ready for the stage. So we are presentation experts. And after doing that for about 30 years, we started to codify what we do for uh, these brands and became a, a really fun and yet significant training organization too, which is kind of fun. Um, so I think I've always been this scrappy, self-taught, street smart, valued learning, a lifelong learner, and kind of like you were saying, like a consumer of information and knowledge and insight. And it's been a it's been a fun ride. Mm. What a great description. I, I love it when people describe themselves as being scrappy. And I feel like so much <laughs> of our industry is really brought together by those of us who are just the littlest yeah. bit scrappy. You're among your people. So, You certainly are. You certainly are today. And so today we're going to be talking about the idea of the data story. Mm -hmm. Data and storytelling are two of my all-time favorite things to think about and work with and bring into my day-to-day. So why don't we go ahead and start there? I would love it if you could talk with us a little bit about the connection between data and storytelling. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, you know, would say or challenge and say the data speaks for itself. And I think mm-hmm. that data informs us, you know, on its own. Like you should be yeah. able to grab, you know, a one single piece of information or a dashboard of information or multiple sources of information. And you should be able to infer insights from it to make a decision. So one of the reasons we have so much data is that, especially in L&D or any HR function, it's like you are tracking when people clock in and clock out, when they go on vacation, when they don't. But now that it's bigger, like we're tracking NPS scores and we have engagement surveys. We we can tell online what they whether they've complied or not. And there's just a lot more um, data to dig through. And so the 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 um, skill of being able to read a chart, the skill of being able to like decide what the the um, main point of the chart is, those are just our basic data fluency skills that everyone needs. But there's this moment in time where you've maybe got a handful of charts and you need to make a decision. That's where storytelling comes in, where you need to now explain the findings and maybe move people to action because of it. So like whether it's swiping left on a data app or turning (laughs) left in your car, everything a human does now, almost everything is collecting data. And what do we do with that data? Well, we're collecting it so we can what make our driving app better, make 
it connect us to better dates or in an L and D situation would be like increase engagement. So employees stay. So the word humans are doing things that create that data. So what we need to do is when we're making a decision, we need to communicate in the shape of a story. So those humans choose to change their behavior mm-hmm. and make the trajectory of the data turn out differently. So data story is the process of finding an opportunity or a problem in the data, framing it, framing the decision you need to make in the shape of a three-act structure, and then motivating people to change so, the, so that the data in the future looks different, um, continues to be better, or it turns around, or whatever it is that the data needs to do. So, some people are like, well, a data story is an insight, and it's like, oh, wow, that's not data-driven that's not yeah. data-driven decision-making that's led by storytelling. So yeah. I just, I tend to put like a lot more under the umbrella of storytelling with data than, than like, oh, you just named the chart and highlighted and now it's a data story. So it's, um, it drives, it, it, it speeds up an organization if we all align mm-hmm. around a narrative, the format, the framework. And it's just like, even in my own org, uh, decisions are made quicker. Oh. Yeah, I remember when I was a crime analyst, um, I would compile data and then do a chart and then give it to command staff. And then I was kind of shocked when they would come back and be like, okay, what is this saying? (laughs) I'm like, it's right there. It's right there. (laughs) So then, you know, learning how to kind of tell the story. Um, So so could you tell us? This is the X axis. It's right there. (laughs) Wow. And actually, this was late 90s. And I I, I swear I got one of your books. You you had a book at this time, right? On how to present. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So could, could you tell us a story of someone using data story? So as an example, like a case study, like something that you're like, oh, wow, this was done amazing, you know, so people can get a feel for it. Yeah. So, um, what the framework of a short data story would be is it's just literally like three sentence shaped in the three act structure. But I had a friend who was like the strategic advisor through the data organization. She was the strategic design, um, advisor to the CEO. And while the CEO had so much trust in her and the recommendations she would make from data, she could literally, and if I said the name of this CEO, you would know who it is, could literally <laughs> text a data story to the CEO who's on the jet and gets a text message back saying approved. Like it's just so crisp and so clear when it's done really well. So those are the kinds of data stories in service of making a decision. Then once the decision's made and which, you know, it's really a, a lovely shape. Then you have to like stand and deliver and now persuade with the data People to move in mass or change behavior or create a growth mindset or, or maybe you're trying to persuade them with a reason to believe why they should stay at your organization because maybe the engagement survey showed that everyone who'd been there for five years looks like they're about to quit. Like you have so much information um, that you could do, but now someone has to stand and deliver a data a data story. And that, and that's even a little bit different than just like making a recommendation. Formal, uh, presentations that use data. You could look at Inconvenient Truth, which we worked on. That was someone who stood up and told narrative and stories around the data and, and, and wasn't like 
could you tell me what an X and Y axis is? <laughs> um, which was kind of nice. And I, there's one talk I really actually like, uh, and it was by Bono who spoke at TED. And I remember uh, watching how uh, dramatic it was as he's trying to drive poverty down. So, you know, most charts we want to see go up and high and to the right. But his was like this, like, almost like a comet would descend and it was real data comet would descend hit the ground and look like it was exploding right and all these comets like he was driving it to zero driving it to zero driving it to zero and it would like make this little like explosion on the zero line and then there was some that were like "Uh, uh," (laughs) just about there right and he was trying to get everyone to go the last kind of mile to actually end poverty i thought that was really effective and the whole thing was based in data and what you have to do really well is humanize the data because mm-hmm. so often we see you know millions of bits of data and we forget yeah. that a human yeah. soul generated that data and who is that soul and and what are they like what do they eat for breakfast mm. why did they swipe left who is this person who keeps swiping left <laughs> it's a terrible example especially <laughs> in an LNT community but um you know what are the things that are driving that behavior and when you when you actually talk to the data points and humanize them and show the picture of the woman who has to carry a fuel you know a fuel cargo fuel vessel on her head and walk 8 miles to go get clean water mm. you you it's not just like these people are in poverty it's like this is a hardship on this data point right and and, th- mm. and you can apply that to employee behavior too and to employees and um really talk about the humans and the hardships are going through in generating the data and that's really why the trajectory might be going away you're not happy with is really because the humans are revolting the humans are not mm. satisfied the humans are struggling and and it really helps us to know and talk about the humans behind the data point so it's just kind of when you get to humanize the data it gets really fun in how you're communicating so you got to dig in the data explore it then you got to figure out how to explain it well enough to make a decision and then you have to persuade with data through you know oral communications presentations rallying people in meetings and all that stuff and and you do use data in all all instances Mm. It is fascinating to hear you talk about bringing the humans back into the data, because I think for a lot of people, when they get lost in the numbers, the humans are the first ones to go from that equation, right? It's just so easy to focus on the numbers and the trends and the analysis and forget what they actually represent. And as you were talking a little bit about delivering this information, I I got thinking a little bit about the other humans who are in this, which would be the audience. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what tips you have or, or what you might recommend to people as they're thinking about how to factor their audience into the data story that you're putting together. Are there certain things you might do for perhaps an executive officer or a leader or something like that versus team members? Yeah. How does audience impact the I strategies you might question. use to bring your data? I love your story question. Life? Yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> Everyone consumes information differently. Like if you're headed into a boardroom, if you're headed into a room with me, most everyone knows I prefer to get a slide doc ahead of time. And this is just a dense PowerPoint. You don't present it. These are great carriers for information because you can put charts, you can put narrative around the chart, you can annotate your chart and you you can say, this is what, this is where I'm thinking. And I go in and and then I mark it and make notes. And then when we actually meet together, you're not sitting there presenting to me. We're just addressing the things that I thought 
I, I did either didn't understand where maybe there was a bigger gap between me and you or that I just mm-hmm. want to talk about, you know? Yeah. And so it, it actually can, so you just kind of know who you're talking to and how they, how they're persuaded and how they're influenced. And there's a great page um, in the book and um, it's about communicating up. If you are communicating up, especially to the executive suite, there are three ways executives are measured and that's money market and exposure. On the money side, executives are trying to drive the revenue up and trying to drive the costs down. On the market, they're trying to speed up um, the speed to market and they're trying to drive down. Um, wow, I'm it's been a long day already. Can't even think of what they're trying to drive down. The <laughs> I know, it's making sense. And then exposure, you're trying to re- uh, do retention, which is customers, partners, employees. And then you're trying, under exposure, you're trying to drive down risk, you know? Mm. And so those are it. So when you're going to present to the executive suite, I should probably grab my book and figure out the market, speed to market you're driving down. <laughs> and it's, and anyway, um, when you're talking to an executive, if your proposal to them or your recommendation to them or your presentation to them does not appeal to one of those three things, they'll be like, why did we need them to come and speak to the executive suite that, you know, it just won't make sense to them. And so um, this was really fun and it was really fun to interview. I'm in a bunch of CEO groups and stuff like that. So it was super fun to interview. Um, It's driving time to market down and market share up. Duh. Mm. And um, (laughs) I've got all kinds of little article deadlines. So I've been (laughs) busy, kind of busy today. So um, yeah, if it doesn't appeal to how people are measured, mm, you know, uh, don't. So I, I do think what's interesting about the L&D function to, uh, specifically and what I've struggled to measure is how do you, how do you show internal transformation? You know, like yeah. when the heart and the mind, it's an immeasurable. So as L&D professionals have to go say to the C-suite and be like, can I have an extra hundred million so we can retain our talent? <laughs> you're, yep. you're, the first thing I'll be like, I'm driving down costs or tell me the exact return on that investment, you know, and um, that's a little bit harder. And that's where the um, qualitative stories uh, help. I mean, you have data yeah. also, but that's where you have to tell the qualitative stories. Cause I think, mm. I think, and, and it is in the research by Burson and different people cutting, cutting L and D right now would be a big mistake for almost every company. Cause mm-hmm. you know, replacing yes, employees is you know, almost nearly impossible. So mm-hmm. um, people should be doubling down on that. Thank God there's external research that you get to turn into a data story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been, yeah, that yeah. was a long answer. Um, I'm just blathering. No, no, this is a awesome. very complete answer. And I think you hit on some really important components there because when you forget about your audience, I mean, yeah. if you go in, if you look underprepared or you don't have the right data story for them, you can ruin your case. Yeah. You know, you can you you can really change the trajectory and not in such a great way exactly. for your team, for your project. So exactly. Very important. Yeah. I know we still have uh, some more questions, but I, you've mentioned your book and I know listeners are <laughs> and, and uh, viewers are probably curious. Can you share a little bit more about your book and the resources on yeah. this topic? Yeah, because I do. I did write it and I do know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is the book. I Yay. love this book. And um, 
what happens, what's interesting is about being an author is, is I write the book and the course at the same time, which mm-hmm. is yeah. not that many people do it because why write a book if you can't apply the learning? Exactly. So it's interesting. I, so I agree. I write the book, then we do an alpha, write the book, do, do an alpha like that. And then I get learner feedback, which is fun. And, and, um, this one has, uh, a case. I made a case, um, in it where Ooh. there's a fake, um, cacao company where you have to make a proposal Ooh. to the CEO and you get this, you have to synthesize all this data. And writing that case was so fun for me because the name of the uh, chocolate company is De La Vega. So it all has Ooh. this little subtle Zorro. Did you guys see the original Zorro with Kathleen Zeta's? Oh, it's been yes, so long, but yes. So you <laughs> have to have seen the movie, oh right? But Antonio oh Banderas, come on, ladies. I mean, that you had good. me a chocolate. I, mean, I know, right? You same. Know. So, same. I know, I know. <laughs> so it's really great. You do critical thinking and, and that was really fun. But I do, um, I do want to send over a signed book for you. So Aww. that would be super oh, fun. That would be Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's, I, I'm that really proud of this work. I'm really proud of it. And you should be. Yeah, it is. It's a fantastic resource to have, especially if you are starting to kind of wrap your mind around what some of this can mean, what it can look like. And, you know, for a lot of people, this is new territory, especially if you're making that mental leap from data means data points versus (laughs) data is something that is part of an organization's narrative and its decision making. Yeah. And, you know, there is also people need to also develop beyond knowing what an X and Y axis is and why that yes. one bar chart's colored blue because artificial intelligence is starting to sneak in onto the lower level data jobs. Like some of the tools like Microsoft BI and Tableau now yeah. will actually read the data and say, it'll highlight the Q3 that's the low bar chart and it'll actually create a sentence for you and, say, and try to anticipate what the key insight is. So the ability wow. to read a chart and name a key insight is going to be like table stakes. That's just like, oh yeah, the computer's going to do all that for you now. So um, it's getting very interesting. Yeah. No, I I think it really is. And in fact, as you were chatting about that just now, it got me thinking too, when you're putting together a data story for a lot of people, especially if they know, say, instructional storytelling, a lot of times that can be very rooted in the narrative itself. Mm -hmm. But there is also that visual component, graphics and mm-hmm. charts, perhaps, or other things that can help to engage people. What strategies have you used or what might you recommend to someone as they're thinking about how to convey information? Are there certain types of graphics that tend to work best? Mm. And when it comes to data, are you limited to things like graphs or are there other ways that you might be able to visually engage your audience? That's such a great question. So th- it, it was really weird. So I, uh, all of our work is based in, uh, the highest performing brands. I have mm. just petabytes of former presentations that we've built or ways that businesses chose to communicate very high stakes information. So I went to this data set, thousands of slides that just had data on it. And I looked at them in isolation. So I literally covered, I mean, my wall was probably 15 feet by 10 feet, covered it in little miniature slides because I wow. really wanted to look at what were they trying to say? How were they trying to influence and why did they choose that chart? And it was interesting. I had to go and research it. But I mean, the charts that are the most effective because people can glance at them, except that guy, you know, <laughs> people should be able to glance at them and see what it means pretty quickly. And and when you're trying to persuade and influence, you need the ones that are the simplest to process. And that is yeah. a bar, a line and a pie chart. And I know that's yeah. a little controversial, but with a pie chart, when you're using it right, 
the only thing you're trying to convey is this is bigger than that. Like you, yeah, if, if yeah. you want them to know the exact amount, you use a bar. But the part that was so fun for me is nobody had ever made a taxonomy for how you annotate the slide. So you're in Excel or you're in PowerPoint or whatever tool you use and it plots your chart. Well, there's an actual taxonomy of the things you can draw on top of it. You can, yeah, you make the bar blue, but then yeah. how do you annotate the gap between the first and second bar? How do you do call outs? How do you draw oh. the trend line through? So there was this whole benchmarks. You know, like, there's all these other things yeah. you overlay, not to make it crowded or cluttered, but to make it crystal clear that what we're walking away isn't that this one chart is blue, but we're all focused on the gap between the content bar two and bar three. That gap in numbers Ooh. is a billion dollar or whatever, right? You 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 draw attention to the gap, or maybe you're drawing attention to the highest number. And and there's this whole taxonomy about how you can overlay and make very, very clear what it is exactly you're wanting your audience to walk away with in the data. So that was a great question. I appreciate that. I love the answer too. And now you've got me thinking about overlays. I mean, there's always more you can do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I so, have a thing for printing out slides and pasting them on walls, I guess. But. I love that. No, I love that. I, I imagine I visualized it in my head and I'm like, oh my God, I got to do that with something it's else. Fun. Yes. Because it's just cool. <laughs> I do similar things. So it's good to hear that somewhere out there, somebody has a similar brain. People might question your decoration choices, but I guess they're expecting it from uh, me. My home office is a strange place. <laughs> hey, it's where the magic happens, right, ladies? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. So people are going to need to read the book because there's yes. a lot of information in there. Yeah. Um, of so. course, because this is the teaser, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but we have some more information that we need to get from you before we let you go today. What's that? Okay. At the end of every episode, we do rapid fire questions. Cause we okay. want to pick How your brain just a little bit longer. To be? You're saying rapid. <laughs> rapid fire, man. No, <laughs> no more than 60 seconds. You know, really. Oh, okay, answer. Okay. Yeah. But just yeah. some, we want to get some, some more wisdom out of you here. No pressure. <laughs> okay. okay. So are you ready? Ready. Okay. So what is one book that everyone must read and why? I would say my book for well-being is the book of Psalms because it's full mm. of like suffering and overcoming and hope and like a little bit of darkness, but coming over, overcoming mm -hmm. that. So that's my kind yeah. of daily food. Oh, that's my favorite. oh yeah. that's great. Nice. Yeah. A great way yeah. to recharge. Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Okay. What is one tool and you can... Define that however you want, uh, that you cannot live without. Besides Zoom? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, well, okay, I have two. Uh, one is my, it's called my Makuzi. That's my jacuzzi, which ah. is, but my, grand, my grandson couldn't say it. Aww. And they stayed with us every Friday. I have two of them. Every Friday night, they stayed with us during COVID. So it was this energy and bright Right. Oh, I was just so good. It was just so good. We sheltered kind of in place with them. But lately I've been using a journaling tool. It's just verbal. So, so it's so hard to just sit and start to write in a journal. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing this verbal journal. I get to tag it, da, 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 and then I can go back, but at least I'm capturing how I'm feeling in the moment, oh, wow. um, which has been really fun. I've actually been uh, more consistent um, since I found that I can just go right before bed and, and then. Wow. And then 
figure it out later. Yeah. Is there a specific app that. that you're using? It is. It's called, I would say it's called, I have my do not disturb on because y'all, my phone. it's called um, Journify and I really J-O-U-R-N-I-F-Y. Oh. And it's really, really easy to tag, really easy to just go. It's been nice. I've really, oh, I really love enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool because, you know, like driving thoughts. Exactly. When you get oh, driving yeah. thoughts about just life. Yeah. yeah. You can tag your mom or you can tag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just been really nice. Yeah. And then every time I, one of the recordings has someone's name in it, it'll pull just those up. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Last one. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, I solicit advice a lot and I, sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> um, we've been using, um, we use uh, psychometrics a lot and Enneagram really kind of felt like it, it spread my life out in front of me and really showed me where I was strong, where I was weak in a really beautiful way. And we use them a lot at our company. We use DISC, SDI, mm-hmm. um, and other high performance tools and stuff. And because my assistant, this is my favorite one, and this is just this week. So, and I just had some today that kind of hurt. And so oh. I was like a little tearful. But this earlier last week, my assistant did such a great job giving me advice because I'm so high energy and I get excited about ideas. And, pe- and I don't, I, and people think, mm-hmm. oh, she's really excited. So therefore, this is very important, right? Oh, and so sometimes yeah. they get, you know, and they just want to make me happy. Oh, it's so cute. And so we have this new guy. I created this little skunk works team and it's really fun. And he's so new. It's like his second kind of real job. And so she goes, hey, you know, I'm used to it. I've worked with you for a while. But what happened? And she gave me the feedback. She said, it's just really tough, I bet, on him to understand really the priority of his deadlines mm. because he's so young and so new, you know, wow. and, and it's because of your energy level. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was just like, her, like we, she and I have like such honest, like we're so mm-hmm. honest back and forth and these psychometric tools help, right? Yeah. And she can yeah. use the language from the tools. And so that was the clearest actionable feedback mm. I've gotten in a long time. Change how I email. Like now it's like really clear. I just put, I'm sending you this because, and here's the action because the email. Like now right. I'm just assuming everyone feels the same way, but she said it in such a crisp, mm. empathetic, gorgeous way. And so now, you know, well, he is young. I know you forget when you're a CEO and I, I needed this young, risk-takey kind of not the norm way he works. And I wanted to not only learn from it, but we were really trying to do some scrappy, fun marketing things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it was really helpful. So now he gets this really clear, accomplish these 10 things this week, no matter how excited I am about some fancy little thing I find. And so <laughs> it's been really grounding for him and for her. And she goes, Aww. oh my God, the five things I need to do this week are clear. Cause she always got everything done. I ever even like whispered out the side of my mouth. So that I think today or this week, that's my favorite. Now the, the feedback I got this morning might change me the most because it hurt, but oh, yeah. <laughs> it's good, right? But you know, they say, if it doesn't prick your heart a little bit, it won't change you, you mm-hmm. know? That's, and yeah. so I'm open to that. And I, I let, I let people poke at that mm. and then I get over it and I emerge changed, you know? I love it. So Oh, and what great examples of vulnerability Mm -hmm. too, you know, that is so crucial to leadership and it is is. so crucial to what it means to work with other human beings and the fact that you can be open to both the positive and the constructive is 
a lesson in itself for all of us, yeah. I think. And I, I mean, I am haunting grace and I have to go back and apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you were right. And I just was reacting, but <laughs> we, there's there. a lot to learn in that too. No, you're, you're right. We're not always going to receive that kind of feedback as well as we could, but I have to say, I, I think from start to finish, we have learned so much from you today. I am so grateful that you joined us for yes. this week's episode. This has been amazing. one of the most fun conversations. Mine too. And you knew your, you Aww. know, your material. And that was very fun. <laughs> Super fun. Thank you. Aww. We had, we, we had an absolutely wonderful time. And of course, a big thank you to all of you in our community for joining us as well. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Attend one of our upcoming programs. There are many to choose from. Simply go to dcatd.org and select Chapter Calendar to find out more. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review. 